Hello, my friend Terrence. I appreciate you being here today. This is Burn the Ship Podcast, where we help entrepreneurs go all in on their business by introducing them to other entrepreneurs and professionals. Um, so I, I was introduced to you by someone else that was on the podcast, Eddie Johnson, um, good friend of mine, an incredible message as well, and just kept alluding to you know how valuable and how um, you know different your story is, and and what a what a privilege it's going to be today to hear more of that story and kind of direct it towards some of our entrepreneurs. So why don't you go? Go ahead and introduce yourself. Tell us a little bit about your story and lead that into kind of what your business is and, and tell us what you do. Well, hey, man, I'm excited to be on. And, uh, you know, so quick background on me uh, from Chicago, married to, I mean, you know, just an amazing woman, 39 years, uh, you know, three kids, uh, just 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 been blessed. Uh, man, my heroes and my mother and my father, uh, you know, as we grew up in Chicago, man, and they just wanted the best. Um, and so, you know, my career, man, I started my first job when I was six years old. I mean, literal job. And it was all motivated by the love of candy. And so, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I've been working since, man, just enjoying it. Uh, so I'm happy to be here. Um, big thing for me is, is, is um, corporate background, 25 years on my own business as well. So I know the difference in signing the front of the check as well as the back of the check. Mm-hmm. And, and then been in the nonprofit space, man, for the last 12 and a half years. And just, man, we want to see families thriving and flourishing uh, around the world. And to date, the Lord has opened the door. We can train over 100,000 families. But what I've done is taking what I've learned and, and, and you know, been nurtured by, by others and, and through the marketplace and carry that over, not only into my own life and my family and so forth, but also to other families around the world. Sure. And so what is what you know, what are the problems that you're looking to solve as people come to you and they want to really reinforce that relationship that they have with their family? What are some of the problems that you see and how do you approach and solve those problems? You know, we're really in some of the most challenging times uh, in our nation. And and this isn't new. Uh, We've been seeing these trends for probably well over 50, 60 years. Um, And, you know, the days that, you know, for me, an example, you know, we go to church on Sunday and we spend that time with the family Sunday. Did we, there was nothing else open other than other than church and things of that nature. And we would spend time. We talk about and shape biblical worldviews and things of that nature. And we used to debate these issues and to see a biblical worldview declining from 65 percent back in 1965 or so to now adult males, uh, adult uh, in America, that biblical literacy is around six percent. So one, that's an issue. Right. The, the, the very values of our nation is shifting. Secondly, um, we often talk about followers, homes and things of that nature. How do we be dads in homes? But more importantly, even in the workplace, when we look at that, our leaders, integrity, those non-negotiables, uh, they're being challenged today in many ways. And we've seen that played out in the last year and a half. So when we look at the, the very values that make up our character, that makes up the very core values of a business and the marketplace and individual, et cetera. We see a, a shift in America around those values. And I believe it's, it's, it's impacting not only home, but the marketplace and society around us. Sure. And so when I was kind of doing my homework, one of the questions that I had for you specifically, and I'll tell you kind of where this came from, how is it that you define family? Because what I, I really want to know that is because these ideals and these kind of lessons that you're teaching people, 
how, where all does that kind of cross over within your life? You know, what, what skills are you really de- developing there and how can they help you in the different avenues of your life? I have to be quite frank with you. I mean, my definition for family come out of Genesis, uh, the book of Genesis, the Bible, and it tells me that a family and how it's designed and what it's meant for and so forth. So that's the basics of the foundation of, of how I define family. Um, for me, that family has been a, a husband and wife and children, and we're here to, you know, to, to, to grow that the population of this world. And it's been that way from the very beginning. There's also other parts of family. When people think of family as people that they trust as people that they've confided in as people that loves them and cares for them unconditionally. And that's why many may seek that love and, and affirmation from so many other sources. And they call those sources family. But when, when I'm talking about the essence of family, I'm speaking of the family unit in home and, and the extended family beyond that. You know, back in, in history, uh, it was the goal of the patriot of the family to never lose a family member, to always keep them within the foes of the family, to go and make sure that they're being nurtured and loved and cared for. Well, the bigger picture of that, we have a family within the nation of America. We have a family within our community and we have a family within the four walls of our home. So it depends on which way you want to look at that. Sure. Uh, that's how I'm defining family is, is one, this family unit at home that's loving and caring and nurturing and so forth. But there's also a family in the community to be loving and caring and so forth. But there's also a family in our nation as we represent America. And, and we are to be united, not necessarily agreeable. We don't have to agree on everything. But we have to be united in, in what we stand for and some of the values and some of the things that we believe in to be true so that we can carry forth the very fabric or DNA of what America is all about. Sure. And in that 100,000 families that you spoke of, where do those families live and how did they find you? Yeah, so we started out really in my own home uh, training. I, mean, I, was, I was falling short as the spiritual leader of my own home. In fact, I had abdicated that to the church and my wife. Uh, but being challenged by that, uh, I had to take on the responsibility to what that is. Now, I want to maybe help your audience and yourself understand that that doesn't mean maybe what most people think, because I was falling short as a spiritual leader. I, my kids knew the Lord. I was walking with the Lord. I was actually leading uh, youth in, in my church and so forth. But being intentional about being the spiritual leader identifying where the vision is, where the horizon, where, where am I taking them? I didn't, I didn't really define the target. You know, if you start any business or marketplace, you define the target, you define the end and you work towards the end in mind Uh, that I hadn't done. I had abdicated that to the church. And so with that responsibility, uh, I I call it the Ephesians six, four moment where it says fathers really speaking to parents, don't exasperate your children but to train and instruct them in the Lord. So we started in my own home. And then that moved out, uh, had no plans to start a ministry or anything else. Uh, as parents began to ask, what are we doing that may be different than what they're doing? Our kids are doing some things a little differently in our family. And what are we doing that maybe they should consider? We started to just you know, roll that out and give it away and start to train other parents and started very small. Uh, and all of a sudden, parents start to go deep and they start to share us with others. And then a breakthrough came when we joined one of the most prolific family ministries in the nation and really worldwide. 
And that began to take our content out uh, and train over 30,000 churches, 100,000 parents came through. And now we're, we're global in nature on five continents and the Lord just opens the door uh, where we're seeing families begin to get the very basics to be intentional to train and instruct their children. We start out with helping them to produce a written spiritual plan to help lead, guide, and direct their way. Because I believe if you don't write it down, you just don't get it done. And a lot of times we want to do the right thing. We just don't know how. I'm an optimist by nature. We want to do the right thing as parents. We want our kids to have a great life. But a lot of times we just don't know how to get there, right? We put a lot of rules in place, put a lot of handcuffs on them and say, do this and do that. Well, I call that performance theology. I'm not interested in performance theology and what you do necessarily unless you understand what has been done on your behalf, that you should fall madly in love with what he's done. And that's what compels you to do, as James says, it's compelled out of love for the father and his, and his son and the grace that he's bestowed. Now you're compelled to do versus obligated to do. And there's a big difference in that track. Sure. What are some of the experiences that you've had with the cultural differences from working in all of those different places while still trying to solve, you know, a problem that's pretty universal? Well, you know, culturally, I've been blessed on the, on the, on the uh, marketplace side. You know, I started out working for organizations like Johnson & Johnson, Citibank, and Coca-Cola. And when I think about Johnson & Johnson, I had a perfect example set for me by the man who's now deceased, but just, a, just a, a wonderful guy. His name was Dr. James Burke. And Dr. James Burke was the CEO of Johnson & Johnson at the time. And, you know, you may be too early to remember this, but back in 1982 in Chicago, there was a thing called the Tylenol incident where seven people lost their lives due to tainted cyanide uh, capsules of Tylenol uh, product. Well, that was my territory. As a, as a three-month-old coming out of University of Illinois, I was in the Chicago land market, and, and this incident happened in my backyard. But I saw a, a CEO with the type of integrity and ethics and, and core values that I'm speaking of. I saw that at work firsthand. And of course, the, the, the fast story of that is not only did we recover in three mo months, which is a case study today, uh, but we did it with integrity. We did it with a set of values. In fact, what Dr. James Burke pointed us to in the moment of crisis was a set of core values. We call it a credo. And he, on the wall of Johnson of Johnson Johnson today in Brunswick, New Jersey, is a wall that, that, that speaks to the credo of the company. And in that credo gives you kind of the, the values and the approach that the company decides to take in, in, the, in crisis situations. We took that approach, we lived it out, and I saw it firsthand as a young man coming out of school, first job. Well, how can I take those type of values, uh, characteristics, et cetera, into the same atmosphere at home, right? And how do I begin to see that flourish? So I've I had great models, but our nation and the family, et cetera, is shifting because we're getting away from those very core values that made us great. For example, one of those core values that I was taught very early on is that people have intrinsic value. We all are valuable people. We don't have to agree with everyone, but we have value because I understand who made us and that person made us, has made us with great value. But 
if I understand that as a marketplace leader, that everyone has great value, whether you're a janitor or CEO of a company, then I treat you like you have intrinsic value. Same as a, as a, as a family, as a marriage. If, if I love my wife as the father loves me, then my wife has intrinsic value. My children have intrinsic value. And I'm going to do everything I do I can to love them unconditionally, right? It doesn't mean we have to agree on everything. In fact, I think we're so busy trying to be agreeable that we miss the essence of what he has for us. And so that's our purpose is to see people with the value that they are and to move forward in a way to care and nurture and to be a positive influence in people's lives, starting at home. Sure. And so have you had those types of interactions in the U.S., different countries, different continents as well? Do you know, is the the kind of that traditional idea of the patriarch, is that consistent pretty much everywhere that you've kind of had these types of interactions or have you only had those interactions in the United States? No, it varies. You know, when you go international, I've been quite a few international countries, uh, Europe, Africa, Asia. I mean, it's all um, there's this there is this deep kind of. Um, approach and acceptance of of leadership in a different way uh, when you go to Asia and when you go to South Africa and things of that nature. Uh, but, you know, in America, we, we've kind of lost, you know, you got to understand when we lose 72 percent uh, of our men are not in the households today. Uh, we have a breakdown in our system. When you see that uh, it's not that way when you go across the pond. People stay together. They, they, they connect together. They understand the power of family. When I go to places like Italy, family is, is so important. When I go to other, you know, India and different places, you might see challenges because of poverty and so many other things. But, but family is the central unit that they try to stay united to. In America, family has been fragmented more ways than we've ever seen it. And so that's impacting our cultures, impacting our societies, impacting our homes, our communities. And we have to get back to a form of unity. You know, over the last year, we faced this thing around, we've been talking about unity and the division that, that exists in this nation. Well, that division, you know, I believe we've got to start with that unity in the home. We've got to teach our children what it means to love other people, what it means to support people. We don't have to agree, but we've got to begin to teach these basic lessons at home. Most biblical worldviews are shaped between the ages of three and 13 years of age. And if we're not teaching our kids at home, someone else will. And so I just believe that as parents or whoever has authority in the home, guardianship authority for that child. It could be a single parent, it could be a grandparent, it could be a couple, I don't really care. Whoever has that authority, we have to begin to train and instruct them in the way of the Lord, or we're gonna lose. I, I say no society can thrive beyond its spiritual condition. And we, we have lost or is losing our spiritual condition and the influence of the church is declining. And we've got to find a way to bring that back. Sure. What are some new challenges that you've seen face as this kind of, um, you know, spiritual integrity of society continues to decay? What are, you know, are some of those challenges, you know, digressing? Are they evolving or are they pretty consistent? 
Well, you know, most will say they will speak to all of the negative things in our society. They'll speak to fragmented families. They'll speak to, you know, single parent household. They'll speak to so many things, incarceration rates and so forth. But I'm not, an, I'm an optimist. Um, the victory has been won. And so I look at things like, you know, how do we go from 12 who are followers of Christ to now billions of people who are followers of Christ? When I go overseas, people are so thirsty for God's word. I mean, if you were to just bring your Bible in their own language, I, I mean, I tell you, they embrace that with so much love. And because, you know, we, we have a smorgasbord, right? We can go on every corner. We'll find a church. We can go anywhere. We'll, we'll find materials and Bibles and all. The fact is, it's not the issue that we don't have the word of God. It's just that we're not living out the word of God. And I always say the biggest gap is between what we know and what we do. We know what to do as people. We know we are to love each other. We know we're not to, you know, be racist or hate other people and do that. But yet we, we do just the opposite sometimes. And there's a reason for that. You know, when we begin to dismiss the fact that everyone has intrinsic value and that it's just not your agenda that's important, but it's everyone's agenda that leads up to a common goal, a common target, we'll begin to do life differently. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. You know, and, and let me just give you, you know, why I come from. I grew up in the 60s and 70s. I grew up in Chicago, Illinois, and Chicago was probably more divided than any any state or any city in this country. Uh, when you talk about Alabama or Mississippi and all that, Chicago is the only place that Martin Luther King never finished his march was Chicago, Illinois. It was a place that of, of deep division and segregation. I grew up in that community. And, and as I went in, into schools that didn't look like me, uh, and my mother was a school teacher and she would teach me things like, Terrence, you have to love them more than they hate you. I'm like, why do they hate us? I mean, what is going on that you would hate another person so deeply? And even as a young child that you would want to harm them. And so when you're taught those type of principles that you are to love more than hate, that everyone has intrinsic value, that, you know, you're not superior, but you're certainly not inferior to any man. But you live your life in such a way that glorifies the Father. It changes your perspective and how you approach people. And that's what we have to get back to. We have to bring unity in the spirit if this nation is to survive the, the pandemic that is in right now. The pandemic that we're in right now is not around COVID. It's greater than COVID. And we have to find a way to, to, to really work through this issue. Sure. I completely agree. Tell me, um, you know, as someone in the audience, you know, is looking to kind of, you're, you're probably identifying a lot of problems with people that they haven't really diagnosed or identified for themselves. Tell us if people want to have a further discussion with you about that, how they kind of get a hold of you. Oh, thank you for that. You know, transformation begins in me, right? So transformation begins in us individually. And we'd love to have dialogue and conversation. They can find us at uh, Victorious, that's I-O-U-S, victoriousfamily.org. Also, I'm on social media and things like that. I love to engage in a conversation. And uh, particularly, I'm focused now around the family. Uh, I want to see families strengthened and healthy because I think if we start in the family unit, uh, then we can move on to generations, right? So our whole strategy is to equip a generation to reach a generation. And you can find that at victoriousfamily.org. 
cool. And then, you know, as well, kind of in the, in the beat of the, you know, the brand of the podcast, tell me this is as you have the, you know, burn the ship to us is really going all in on your business is committing to something. Tell me, you know, from the point of view of an entrepreneur or the, you know, that, that person that is responsible for the family, whatever family that may be, tell us how really, you know, what, what commitment means to you, you know, tell me what it means to you for, um, you know, people to really go all in on their family as well as their business. Yeah. You know, it's, I've been in the, in that position of a leader that's trying to build something right as an entrepreneur, as corporate America as well. When you're trying to build something, you're so focused, you're, you're so committed to it, that sometimes you shift your priorities, not intentionally. And, and, and I've learned that if my priorities is God, my wife, my children, and then whatever he's placed in my life after that, whether it be business, et cetera, I'm to keep that order of prioritization. If I lose that order of prioritization, my mindset shifts significantly. I'll give you an example of this. You know, when I worked at Coca-Cola uh, and I, you know, I was at a very high level, I probably managed an area about two thirds of a Coca-Cola company, about $50 billion. I was probably 36 years old. And one of my mentors said to me, he says, Terrence, who do you work for? And I've got, yeah, I work for Coca-Cola, right? Well, well then who do you, you know, what, who's your customer? And he started asking me all these questions and I'm thinking, you know, I work for Coca-Cola. I report to, you know, whoever my leader is. I, you know, people report to me. This is my customer. He says, no, that's all wrong. He says, now let's reorganize that. The owner of the company, if we shift that from the owner of Coca-Cola to God, everything else shifts. So if God is the owner of your company, then who do they report to? Well, then Coca-Cola. Then who do you report to? I, leadership of Coca-Cola. Then who's your customer? What's the people that report to me? Mm-hmm. And then, who, well, who are their customers? Well, there's people who report to them. So he says, focus on the right thing. He says, a lot of times what we do is we take a target that we've identified and we shoot the arrow, but we move the target. Right. So we can hit a bullseye and say, look, see, I was successful, but we never define the target before we shoot the arrow. And we're good at that. In the family, we have to do the same thing. We have to define the destination before we shoot the arrow. Because if not, we'll wonder from place to place, never knowing if we ever ended up at the destination that we desire. You see, I I, I mean, I'll take one from from a person that doesn't even fit the spiritual and and what I'm speaking of, but Warren Buffett. Warren Buffett gave us an amazing lesson when he was asked, uh, Warren, how would you define success? And many people thought it would be around how much money and this and success or whatever. And his legacy says, no, he's here's how he defines success. And I'll define it the same way. He says, when I die, if the people that I loved or cared to love me, love me, then I'm successful. You see, if my wife loves me, when I leave here, I'm successful. If my kids love me, when I leave here, I'm successful. You see, Coca-Cola won't even think of me again because they're not in a relationship to love me. They're in a relationship to pay me for hard work, you know, for a job well done. And, and they may care for me. They may love me. They may even give me a green jacket and a, and a pension. 
for the young folks, I'll explain what a pension is <laughs> later on. But but for the family unit, that's love. That's that's where love has to be nurtured and love has to be cultivated and nurtured. Because see, when we leave this place, the only thing that will carry forth is that legacy of love. And I'd rather start in my own home before I start to go outside of that. So that's that's one of the things I'll just lend to you is that if you can leave this place knowing that the people that you love also love you, you've had a successful life. Sure. Well, I appreciate you coming on the podcast today. You've given Amen. us a lot, to, a lot to ponder for sure. Um, and I hope some people in the audience take advantage of what you're saying. You know, there, there are so many different points of view out there and, you know, how to be successful. And, and I don't think a lot of attention goes to, um, you know, how to be successful within your own family. So I appreciate kind of the, the tools that you've given to our organization and, and the stuff for us to think about. And we'll definitely, um, you know, recap this again and see if we, uh, we can't, can't put out some more content in the right direction. Well, I appreciate you, brother. And I, I just close it. You know, if we can if we can figure out how to love at home, it'll make our loving in the workplace even greater. Absolutely. Thank you, sir. Thank you, brother. Appreciate, appreciate you coming you. on. Take care.